You are listening to the light of today with the powerful, life-changing Word of Christ that heals, delivers, transforms, and fills you with the Holy Spirit. Let God's truth burst forth into your heart. Stay tuned to the light of today with Chris Palmer. Let me make this statement tonight. If you don't spend your life, or let me say it this way, Christians spend their life, I mean, how many know Christians that struggle? Just struggle, I mean, just struggle. Always struggling with their finances, struggling with their health, struggling with their emotions in particular, struggling believing God for something, I mean, struggling in their job, struggling to, to believe God for something, you know, struggling in their faith. You know, the Christian that's struggling in their faith, they're sitting in the corner, they want to be left alone because they're trying to believe. What's wrong with you? I'm just trying to believe. Leave me alone. I'm trying to believe. I'm trying to believe. Leave me alone. Just sit out. They get nasty because you're interrupting their believing. But now watch this really quick. Christians who spend their lives in struggle don't spend their struggle in prayer. Can we say that one more time? Christians that spend their lives in struggle do that because they do not spend their struggle in prayer. In reality, you're going to have a struggle. You're either going to spend your life in, in struggle or you're going to spend your struggle in prayer. Can I get an amen, somebody? Amen. And you're going to see that in just a second. So the thing about to understand is if you do not handle your conflicts in prayer, your conflicts are going to handle you outside of prayer. Amen. Can I get an amen, somebody? Amen. So people, you have an option. You can either say, listen, I'm going to have problems in my life. And I'm either going to take those problems into the place of prayer and handle it in prayer, or those problems, if I don't handle them in prayer, they're going to come outside and they're going to boss me around and they're going to push me around in prayer. The thing about prayer is this. Prayer is a thing Christians talk the most about, but do the least. Everybody says we should pray. We should pray. You get Hallmark cards that talk about prayer. You have praying hands hanging down from your rear view mirror inside of your car. You got kitchen magnets that say you should pray. You tell them people on Facebook, I'm praying for you, sister. You're not praying for them. You're just thinking, well, what is that? And you're not praying for them. When people come and say, will you pray for me? If I'm not going to pray for that person, I grab them by the hand and say, by the hand, I'm praying for you right now. Because when you walk away from me and you're, I'm, when we leave this smoothie shop that I just ran into you at, I'm not going to be thinking about it. I'm going to pray for you right this minute. And the thing about it is people have to understand that prayer is not always an enjoyable thing. Yes. It is not always something that you, and if someone says, well, I just love praying all the time, then they're not really praying. They're just going through platitudes most likely. Prayer sometimes is the place you're going to see that God has designed for the Christian to bear their conflict. You're not supposed to bear your conflict in your life. And many times Christians say that, well, I have conflict. I have, you know, Pastor, I have conflict in my life. You know, my marriage is not working out. I'm fighting. We want to tear each other's heads off. You know, she's always burning the food. Or my husband's always coming home late. He's a workaholic. She doesn't work at all, you know. And they have this conflict that I preached to you tonight. And they want to go to their friend and talk about it. But their friend doesn't do nothing for them. They want to call their girlfriend up on the phone. As soon as the husband leaves the house, they pick up the phone. Tell he's gone. Let me tell you what he did. Right? They want to go. <laughs> he's just laughing. That's not Tanisha, though. She's not. No. They, they, no, they you know what they want to do? They say it's 2 o'clock. 2 o'clock in the afternoon. Dr. Phil's on. Let's see what Dr. Phil has to say about this. They turn on Dr. Phil. You know, or whatever, Montel, or whatever it used to be. Because they want to find out how this is where I'm going to handle my conflict. And there's no power in their life because those things were not designed by God to handle your conflict. We say, but pastor, why? Because those things, 
do not produce the supernatural power of God the way that prayer does. Amen. You got to understand that you have an issue, you have a problem, and it's not a lie. You need to connect to it the power of God. It's like prayer is like a defibrillator. Hello? You know, you keep the defibrillators, you know, you've been to a public place, you keep the defibrillators hanging from the wall. And what do you do? When something dies, you break the glass, you take the defibrillators out, you hope that you know what you're doing, you rub those things together, you put it on the person's chest, and boom, 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 they come alive. Prayer is what God has meant to defibrillate your problems. Amen. And let me tell you what's not going to work. You take someone falls on the ground, they're having a heart attack, they need someone to reproduce life, you don't take your shoe off. You don't take your shirt off. You don't use your pen or your pencil. Those things can't produce light. You grab defibrillators because when you put those things on that person, there's going to be a jolt of power. And that is what prayer is in your life. And that's why I'm trying to tell people. That's why as a pastor, I told God that I would build this ministry on prayer because prayer is not just something that you do when you need something. Prayer is a lifestyle that you live so that you can handle your conflicts when they come. Can I get an amen, someone? Yeah. And so when I see Christians who are overcome by certain struggles, I know those Christians either are no longer praying Christians or they have not been praying Christians. You know, you can see struggle on a person's face. They wear it all over them. They're heavy. You know, when you look at a face, you can tell when that person's had a bad week. Can I get amen, someone? Amen. Their face droops. They look like this. They get bags under their eyes. They look like they need to put some of that unwrinkled skin cream on. <laughs> the face looks like gravity has had its way. You know? They look up from the desk, hey, how's it going? Huh? Yeah. You say, just put some of this cream on or just get a skin tuck, something like this, because they've had a bad weight. Why? Because they're wearing the struggle on their face when they should be taking the struggle into prayer. Amen. Amen. And the reason why Jesus' ministry was so powerful is because he had many struggles. The Bible says that Jesus was a man of sorrow, but being a man of sorrow, he did pretty good and he overcame because Jesus understood how to pray. Can I get an amen? amen? Okay, so write this down if you're taking notes. Number one, we should go immediately into prayer when troubling things start happening in our lives. The minute you see one thing, two things, three thing, four thing go bad in your life, chances are you are under a spiritual attack. Can I get amen someone? I'm not talking about one day you're driving your bike and you get a flat tire and fall off your bike. You know, that happens. The devil didn't come along and push you over. I'm talking about one person starts talking about you. Then all of a sudden your job gets on the line. Then all of a sudden you start getting sick in your body. Then all of a sudden your car starts breaking down. Then all of a sudden, you know, the next thing goes wrong. Whoa, wait a second. What's going on right here? It's very possible that you are under some type of spiritual attack. Because many of, the, many of the things that you are struggling against in your life, I know that churches don't say this nowadays, but it's very possible those attacks are demonic. Amen. Demon spirits, hello, they still exist. Now, now watch this. Now, I got the mature saints here today. I want, this is, this is, I want you to understand this now. You say, well, why is he sharing this? Because I want you to understand the reality of it. I was talking to somebody yesterday. They're a doctor. They're dealing with psych patients right now. And they're dealing with demonic possessed people. Today, a lot of people call it schizophrenia. But I'm going to tell you something. The people, uh, not to say everybody that has a mental illness is demon possessed. But that means there's a lot of people that are demon possessed have mental illnesses. I said, what is this person? Tell me what this person told you. And they said, well, this is very interesting. They said, the person come in, they have schizophrenia. And they tell me that they built Asia. That's crazy. 
And the person tells me they've been around in the 1500s and starts telling me about what was going on in the 1500s. Starts going, telling me what's going on in the 1400s and the 1300s. And when I've talked to people who have cast out devils, do you want to know something about casting out devils? Those devils will come out of people sometimes and tell you where they were in the 1200s and where they were in the 900s. Because you understand one thing about demons. The Bible says that demons, one of the Greek words is arche, which means ancient. They are ancient spirits who have been around and have a knowledge of history. Many of the demon spirits that you have that are harassing people today are been around since maybe the beginning of the flood. And so they know history. They've been around in the medieval days. They saw the bubonic and the black plague. They saw, you know, when Rome was burnt. They, what, what kind of person were they in the past? And this is why they're tormenting people. And let me tell you this. They are the things many times that are causing the believers trouble and turmoil. And you putting your hand into that situation to try to change is going to do nothing. You have to know that the only way that you can overcome the demonic problems is in your life is if you learn how to pray and take your problems into the place of prayer. Can somebody please say amen? amen. And many of the people that you see having struggle, many of the people in your family that are having struggle, they're going round and round the same mountain over and over again, into the same thing, out of the same thing, into the same thing, out of the same thing. They're dealing with demon spirits and you cannot do anything to struggle against them unless you go into a place of prayer and beat that thing through prayer and intercession. That's right. Glory to God. But say, well, we want to counsel. You can't counsel a devil. You have to pray against it. You can't talk to somebody and convince them. You have to go into the place of prayer and ask God for deliverance in that person's life. Amen. Amen. I know, I know. It's not particularly and fancy to the ears. But listen, this is the battle that you have as a believer. Amen. In Luke chapter 22, verse 61, several things happened to Jesus I want you to make note of. You see in Matthew 26, Jesus' close disciples, they're coming to betray him. Then you see that Jesus' disciples were going to desert him and Peter was going to deny Jesus. And then you see that Jesus is going to be benied, denied by Judas. And Luke twenty-two fifty-three, which is the same account, shows that there was a diabolical alliance that bonded itself against Jesus. Judas, the religious leaders, and Satan all formed a triple pact in order to come against the Lord. And so what you see in Jesus' life, everything that's going on, is the plot in the scheme of Satan. And so when Jesus was going through the schemes of Satan, the Bible says the very first thing in Matthew chapter 26, he tells his disciples, the minute he told Judas, you're going to betray me. The minute he said, Peter, you're going to deny me. And the minute he understood that his time was coming for him to go to the cross, the very first thing he said was, it's time for me to go to prayer. So when you see things in your life not adding up, it's time for you to get in a place of prayer. Can someone say amen? amen? And so now watch this. What has happened now? Satan has aligned themselves against Jesus. All this going on. Alignment against the Lord. So what is Jesus saying? This is the application. When the enemy aligns itself against you, it's time for you to align yourself with God. You say, well, well, I got a bad report. The doctor says they find something in my body. No, no, no. It's not time for you to worry. It's time for you to say, God, I got to align myself with you. Because you'll see that in this demonic plan that uh, Jesus says, no, 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 I may be the Messiah. But it's not enough for me just to try and fix it myself. It's time for me to go in the place of prayer. Number two, write this down. 
Many times when you align yourself with God in the midst of demonic attack, you'll discover that prayer can be anguishing and distressing. How many of you have ever gone to prayer and just anguished before? I mean, just, man, it's hard. It's not fun. You go into prayer and you almost feel like you have been defeated. If you go into prayer and you feel like you're being defeated, it could be one of two things. Number one, you have not waited long enough. Or number two, you're praying without the help of the supernatural Holy Spirit. You have to understand prayer is senseless unless you do it without the help of the Spirit of God. I tell people, don't pray until the Holy Spirit has come and connected you to the mind of God. When we come in early morning prayer here, you can, Sister Latanya will tell you this. I spend the first 15 minutes worshiping God. I spend, I, I spend time saying, Holy Spirit, you're welcome. Holy Spirit, I welcome you. I, because I ask God for the anointing in prayer. I need the anointing when I'm praying. I need the anointing as much as when I'm praying as I do when I'm preaching. So I say, Holy Spirit, you're welcome. And the minute I turn up the petition, the minute that I turn out the request is after I have made the connection with God. Then I say, now it's time to start asking God. Why? Because I have aligned myself with God. And everything that comes forth now out of prayer is going to be the mind of God. Everything I pray now is going to be by revelation. Hello, somebody. This is powerful stuff. You say, well, pastor, just tell me something that is a good word that's going to change my life. Listen, if I get you to know how to pray, you'll not come to church looking for something that's going to uplift you alone. You'll come to church having been uplifted and be able to supply your supply of the spirit to the believers here that don't know how to get themselves unstuck. When you see a church preaching good sermons and good sermons alone and there's no move of God, it's because the people aren't praying. They just always stuck, always stuck. This is how we want to be, always stuck. I don't want to just be always stuck. Amen, somebody. Now I'm preaching. Okay, now watch this. Write this down. Sorrowing in prayer for a minute. People say, I don't want to go in prayer because I have to face all my problems. No, no, listen. Sorrowing in prayer for a minute is better than sorrowing in life for a month. Yes. That's good. Yeah. Everybody likes these cool little statements. Man, I just make sermons all these things. Sorrowing in prayer for a minute. It's better than sorrowing in life for a month. In other words, handle your business quickly. Amen. Jesus didn't say, well, I got, I got Peter. Jesus, what's wrong? Well, Peter, Judas is going to betray me. Oh, and those, those guys from Jerusalem, they're coming. And they're coming with swords. And they're coming with lanterns. And they're pro- preparing that cross, I tell you. Oh, Oh, and Peter, you don't even want me to tell you what's going to happen. You're going to deny me, you know. Oh, oh, and Jesus, you didn't see Jesus going in the garden in Gethsemane. Oh, what am I going to do now? Oh, what am I going to do now? Oh, God, the pain, it just hurts me. The pain. Jesus dropped to his knee and said, Lord God Almighty, Father in heaven, this cup is hard for me to bear, but I will bear it if it be thy will. Immediately, Jesus went into the place of prayer. Hello, someone. So uh, watch this now. Jesus goes into prayer. The Bible said that he was sorrowful. The Bible said that he was anguished and that he was crushed with grief. You say, when should I pray? I'm not praying because God didn't tell me to pray. I'm not praying because my, you know, my Bible study partner didn't call me today and we didn't pray. We don't pray on Wednesdays. We pray on Tuesdays and Thursdays. We, we, don't, we don't have prayer on Wednesdays. No. When should I pray? You should pray when your soul gets overcome with sorrow, anguish, and is crushed by grief. God is not the one telling you to pray. 
God is not always going to come to you and say, hey, Kevin, it's time to pray. God's going to come to you and he's going to expect you to understand, to have enough maturity to be able to understand your soul and read your soul's instructions telling you it's time for me to pray right now. When you feel that way, heaviness, it's not time for you to carry out the rest of your day. You're at work. Things are going, you're not not just having a bad day, you're having more than a bad day. You know, things are just not going right. This is important now, the most important part of the message. Having a bad day at work, you just feel something's driving you. You know what I talk to young people who have committed sexual sin. They will tell me one minute I was fine, the next minute I was lit on fire and messed up. You feel a sudden, intense drive out of nowhere come is a spirit. You feel a sudden impulse to be angry. You're dealing with a spirit. You feel out of nowhere a thought comes, and it's not just a thought. It is a raging thought. That's a demon. Oh, brother, don't don't talk about demons. No, no, listen, it is important. And let me say that God is, people think that God, and this is why you have to defeat it right then and there. God is not so much concerned about one thought that enters into your mind. God is concerned about a pattern of thought that your mind develops. If you don't take authority over the thought, it'll turn into two thoughts, and then it'll be four thoughts, and then it'll be 16 thoughts, and then it'll be 32 thoughts, then it'll be 64 thoughts, then it'll be 128 thoughts, and I can't do any more math after that. <laughs> And God will say, wait a second. I they know they have one thought, but now they have a pattern of thoughts in their mind. Because you didn't go into prayer and cast it down because you didn't want to struggle with it. And now you have much more to struggle with. If you don't, if you do not, pray when you sense your spirit is in trouble. This is what's going to happen. You will become either a deficient or an excessive person. Let me say this one more time. If you, do not, if you do not deal with the problem the moment it comes into your mind, you will become a deficient or an excessive person. And this is what I mean. You will become physically deficient or excessive. You will start overeating or you will start undereating. You'll have too much sleep or you'll not have enough sleep. You become emotionally deficient or emotionally excessive. You will become overly sensitive or you will become unemotional completely. You will be like a tooth where you just eat a little bit of sugar and yow. Or you'll be like a rock that just doesn't move, stone. You sexually will have a sex drive, either will become unquenchable and inflamed or you'll have no sex drive at all. You will spiritually be disinterested in the things of God, or you will become fanatical and goofy with spiritual things. You, I don't want to go to church, or you want to come to church, and you want to bring the shofar, and you want to bring gold dust, and you want to bring all sorts of stuff, just because you didn't do enchantments and all sorts of warrior things. I, mean, I remember one time, I went to a prayer meeting, and I looked in there like, what in the world are they doing? And they were swinging katana swords around. <laughs> I said, well, I don't have a katana sword. Can I still pray? You know? Why? Why? Because they're not connecting to God, so they got to get a katana sword. Yeah, he, Kevin, you're like, what? I said, it's not a church. Someone brings a katana sword, I'm calling the police. They become financially. They become financially. They either buy things they don't need and shop till they drop, or they hold on to every penny, and they stop giving God their tithes. 
you know, here you are with someone that, you know, fear gets a grip over somebody that they're not gonna, that the job is gonna dry up. I'm talking about a grown man here, 45. He takes you to the show, drops you off, and asks for gas money. Ask for gas money. You're like, man, you asked for gas money back in high school. We didn't ask for gas money now, right? <laughs> but people act that way when they get fear in their life. And then finally, they become relationally excessive or relationally deficient. That means they become codependent on other people. I need this person, I need this person, I need it. Listen, if you feel like you need someone or your spiritual life is going to dry up, that person's unhealthy for you. Or, in other words, you, uh, or you feel like, I don't need people. Why is this happening? Because you are looking for a way to deal with your sadness and your griefs. And these are the only other options outside of prayer. Why is somebody overeating? Because they're not praying enough. Why is somebody becoming sexually driven? Because they're not praying enough. And your body is saying, I need something to deal with this problem. I need something to bear the burden. And God said, listen, the place that I have designed for you to deal with that is not in the fridge at night. When I was stressed out starting the church, I was. I was a little stressed out. I was going to the fridge seven and eight times a night, standing there, nothing in there but a bottle of ketchup, <laughs> hoping something might appear. Yeah. I mean, you know, I had money. I just was lazy. I didn't want to go shopping. I'm just standing there eating stuff. You want me to tell you what I did one night? Y'all are going to be sending me food if I tell you what I did. One night, all I had was maple syrup and some club crackers. <laughs> and it was maple syrup club cracker sandwiches. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't bad though. It wasn't bad. It wasn't horrible. It wasn't terrible. It wasn't bad. It wasn't bad. It wasn't the best thing, but it, it, it gave me to put that burning out in my stomach when you're hungry. You know? Okay, listen, listen, listen. We can anguish in prayer because prayer is often... Okay, now watch this. You say, why am I anguishing in prayer? The reason why you're anguishing in prayer is because prayer is putting to death your revolt against the will of God. Hello. Prayer is putting to death your revolt against the will of God. Look what it says in Matthew 26, 39. If you've got your Bible, go ahead and turn there. Are you enjoying the word tonight? How many say, say this with me? Prayer is the place of struggle. Say, my struggle is designed to take into prayer. So where's the first place you're going to go when you sense struggle in your life? Prayer. Where's the first place you're going to go? Prayer. 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 So I say it louder. Prayer. There we go. All right. Prayer. Prayer is the place. Prayer. 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 Prayer is powerful. Overeating is not powerful. Prayer is powerful. Going to the gym is only good for a little bit. Yes, the Bible says bodily exercise profits little. It profits, but let me tell you what. If you're working out and I'm praying, I win. Amen. Sean, amen, man. <laughs> Your wife goes to the gym, I'm going to stay home and pray. <laughs> you guys go, you unspiritual people, you go, I'm going to stay home and get on my knees before, and then wife comes home and he's. <laughs> <Amen>. <laughs> Just do <dude. laughs> 
It says here in Matthew 26, he went a little farther and bowed with his face to the ground, praying, Father, if it's possible, let this cup of suffering be taken away from me. Yet I want your will to be done and not mine. Listen, often your flesh wants to provide other options and solutions besides the will of God. Has your flesh ever served you another option in the middle of a struggle? You say, what am I going to do about this person? Well, I'm going to light them on fire. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to put them on blast on Facebook. You wouldn't say their name, though. You would just say something about them close enough for them to understand you're talking about them. Right? And then when you go to the place of prayer, how many have ever gone into the how many ever gone into prayer? Because you were leading prayer. That's the only reason you were praying. And you come out and you you're thinking differently now about what you're supposed to do. Has it ever happened to you? It's like, well, you know, I'm not I'm not gonna do it that way. I'm gonna be nice to that person. Why? Because in prayer you put to death what you want to do. Now Jesus, he doesn't want to go to the cross. He looks up, he says, God. I don't want this cup. He's talking about his suffering. In the old ancient Greek, to say a cup meant a, it was a, a destiny that you had to be served. You had to drink from it. It meant destiny. It meant what is in store for you. And God, Jesus said, I don't want this cup, but not my will, yours be done. And so he put it to death. And so sometimes you discover that putting to death your revolt can be a process that requires time. Now watch this. Jesus, when he gets arrested, Peter goes up, takes out his sword, and slices off one of the guard's ears. Do you remember what Jesus said to Peter? He said to him, why did you do this, Simon? Don't you know that I could have called upon a legion of angels to come down? Totally wipe this guy out. Here's the question I want to know. Where did Jesus come up with that thought? Why did, where did, I mean, did he, where did he think of that? He thought of it just moments prior when he was in prayer. That was one of his options. Are you getting this? That was one of the options that Jesus had to put to death before the opportunity came for him to carry it out. It was something that was, he, it was in his mind that when they come, I'm taking lightning and zapping them, every single one of them. I'm going to see all these angels come and just cut heads off. It's going to be a warrior angel. Just take that katana sword. And Jesus said in his heart, God, let this come. Let's kill them all. And he said, no, I'm putting it to death right now in the place of prayer. But wait a second. It existed inside of Peter. You see this? Peter decided, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to take this sword, and I'm going to start chopping people's head off. Why did, no, why, why did Peter do it? There you go. 100 points for you, Sean. There's some goldfish in the office. They're all for you. Your name <laughs> All you, man. Got your name on it. You know why? Because when Jesus was praying and putting to death the desire of his flesh, Peter was sleeping, and that thing was able to live on. The Lord showed me and I said, oh my God, I've been sleeping all this time. What's inside of me that is contrary to the will of God? What's inside of you that's contrary to the will of God? That when God is getting ready to do something, you're out there and ready to handle your problems for you. You're so busy pulling out your sword, trying to cut those problems and solve, uh, solve those problems half by yourself. Hello, somebody. We got to pray. Now watch this. 
got 20 minutes. But I better be almost done in there. I'm just speaking. Go me to Luke 22, verse 44. This is the same account. Just Luke's telling it. Somebody say pray. pray. Some say, I will pray. pray. Mm-hmm. Yes, 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 yes. All right. It says in Luke 22 and verse number 44, <clears throat> he prayed more fervently. This is talking about Jesus. And he was in such agony of spirit. Someone say agony. <coughs> he was in agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. Not. Let me explain to you these great drops of blood. We get a picture that Jesus is in the garden. Here he is, sad, depressed. And he has little beads that are barely red on his face. It's not what the scripture is telling you. These were thick, clotted, wide drops of blood that were falling off his face and splatting all over the ground. They were like fat drops of rain, just and, and he had so many of them that by this time his whole garment was covered in the blood and his beard was full of blood. It was a very awful sight. And now, now this is powerful, this is powerful, this is powerful. Who would want to put themselves through this? You, you think sometimes that prayer is going to be an easy experience for you. It is not always. Many times you may not sweat drops of blood. I mean, if you come to prayer, you're sweating drops of blood. We're going to talk. But it's not always a pretty picture, is it? I can think of times in prayer where I would never want to repeat those times. But you accomplish something. The word agony is talking about when a Greek soldier, or not a soldier, a Greek wrestler used to fight against another Greek wrestler. You know, when I was, in, when I was growing up, every Saturday morning was WWF wrestling. I was Hulk Hogan and my brother was the ultimate warrior and my dad was the macho man. Now, we used to wrestle. And then me and my brother got a little bit older. And when dad was not around, me and my brother would go to wrestling. And you know how those wrestling matches were. <laughs> you grab each other, you spar, going back and forth and, 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 and fighting back and forth. And, you know, I was always shorter than my brother. But, you know, that started to change. I'm 5'10", now he's 5'7", three inches taller than him. I'm better looking. I'm going to see. <laughs> and... You know, we haven't gotten into uh, we haven't gotten into it since 2009. My parents are happy about that. But the last time we got into it, we grappled each other, we back and forth, and, and we never would punch to the brother, you know. But we would just grab each other and, and go back and forth. And when you're doing this kind of grappling, there's force, there's pressure, that is exerted. The strongest man is going to win. I mean, it's back and forth. And this is the picture of this was what the Greeks would call agonia. You're agonia. And you're agonizing, your muscles are tired, but your will says go on, but your muscles are tired, but inside you know, you know that you know that you know that if you let down your strength, that he's going to overcome you. So you keep on pushing and pushing and you take everything that's in you till you overcome it. And this is what's going on in prayer. Jesus is wrestling with the will inside of him that is not of the Father. And in this prayer, he is battling, saying, I'm not going to call these angels. I'm not going to call these angels. I'm going to go to the cross. It doesn't matter if I like it or not. I'm going to the cross because the will of God is what matters. This is prayer. 
When was the last time you had anxiety thoughts or you had fearful thoughts or lustful thoughts and you took this into the place of prayer and you said, no, I'm not going to do it. No, I'm not going to do it. And the reason why so many people are overcome is because there's not enough grappling going on. Yeah. Glory to God. This, this, this is it. This is this will change your life. You go into that place of prayer and you say, I'm showing up. I'm going to meet you. I'm going to take you down. The word agonoia, do you know, is the Greek word that meant stadium or place of battle. The place of battle to take things down. God's place of battle is not meant for you to do out here in your life. Your place of battle has to be the place of prayer. Amen. Is that we call to do battle? No, listen, listen, I'm going to just speak to this for a second. We had the Word of Faith movement come along in the 1980s where there's this finished work doctrine. And I believe in the finished work. The finished work of Jesus. The finished work of the cross. Everything Jesus did is done. Righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. But the problem with the excessiveness of anything is excessive everything. The excessiveness meant that we don't have to do anything. Everything's already done. No, no, no. You understand the kingdom. Has the kingdom come? Yes. Is the kingdom coming? Yes. It came. It's yet to come. So there's two kingdoms that exist. And what you understand about the finished work is, even though Jesus defeated the devil, the devil's still on the earth. That means that there is a struggle that still has to be uh, overcome every day. Through the weapon of God. And so that means for you and for me and for everybody else, there is going to be some type of grappling that's going to be done. And you say, well, it's already done. Then don't pray. Well, everything's done. I don't, I'm just going to sit here and just, and just, okay, you do that. But you're going to get overcome. Yeah. There is something that you, is a part that you have to play. Otherwise, the enemy is going to overcome you. Prayer, someone say prayer, prayer is, is the arena. The arena. All right, now you're getting it. I'm almost done here. Are you receiving tonight? Yeah. All right. Conflict should be settled in prayer before the conflict arises. Go with me to Matthew chapter 26 and verse number 41. Amen, somebody. Amen. You're going to be so powerful. There's going to be, there's going to be so much power in your life. I declare in the name of Jesus. You're going to walk and, and you're going to start subduing things in prayer. Glory to God. Jesus, Jesus walks up to Peter before he fell asleep. Jesus knew that he was tired. But Jesus said to him, keep watch and pray. So that you do not give in to temptation. For the spirit is willing, but the body is weak. Jesus said the spirit is willing and the body is weak. If you do not pray, you're going to give in to temptation. You know what Jesus was saying? He was saying, settle to do the will of God before the trial comes. I mean, if you can understand this, what temptation was Jesus talking about? What temptation is he referring to here? He looked at his disciples. He said, listen, you need to watch. You need to pray because the hour of temptation is coming. Don't be sifted. Does anybody ever stop to think what he was talking about? Think about this for a second. Here you have the disciples. They have seen Jesus do nothing but overcome the power of darkness for the last three years. Jesus has never suffered anything remotely close that looked like a defeat. And there are people who are Jews and they understood that when the Messiah was coming according to prophecy that he would overthrow the Roman government and set up the kingdom of God upon the earth. But what they did not understand was the dimension of the kingdom that the Messiah came to teach, and that was it included the suffering and the passion of the Messiah. 
that somehow through the cross and through the death of the Messiah that Jesus would defeat death and break the power of the devil which is sin and give us as believers now a new promise of redemption. They didn't understand that. So what the disciples were now going to see was something they did not expect. They were going to see Jesus betrayed. They were going to see Jesus' beard pulled out. They were going to see Jesus mocked and ridiculed. And they were going to see the Messiah in a sense almost like he has no power to help himself. So who would the temptation come? Doubt. Maybe this is not the Messiah. Fear. Well, wait a second. If he ain't going to help him, they're going to come after me. They're going to kill me. We're going to run. We're going to run to the hills. Run for our lives. And you know what happened? The minute they saw the Messiah being betrayed, the Galilean came up to Peter and said, Aren't you, uh, the woman came up to Peter and said, Aren't you a Galilean? You talk like a Galilean. Jesus said, I'm not a Galilean. Peter said, I'm not a Galilean. And he starts cussing and cursing at the lady. Why? Because they fell asleep should have been praying. Why did all the disciples run? Why did all the disciples go? Because they thought that they were going to be killed. And where did they get that from? Their lack of prayer. If you don't pray, you will always flee when temptation comes. In the bad sense. If they would have prayed, they would have gone into the place of battle with Jesus and grappled it and the same victory that Jesus had in prayer, his disciples would have had in prayer. Hello, somebody. Now look what it says in Luke chapter 22 and verse number 43. This is powerful now. I want to show you why it's vital. It's vital to pray. How many are going to go home and pray? Amen. Who's going to go home and pray? Go home and just believe God. Go home and get into prayer. Go and fight that battle. It says in Luke chapter 22 and verse 43 that when Jesus was praying, um, let me get there. If you're there, go ahead and say amen. We got one amen. If you're there, say amen. amen. All right. Luke chapter 22 and verse number 43, or Jesus praying, he says, Father, if thou be willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. And it says in verse number 43, there appeared an angel unto him from heaven. And the Bible says, what was the angel doing? Hello, is anyone here? What was he doing? The Bible says that the angel was there strengthening him. When you are in prayer and you are anguishing in prayer, if you stay in it long enough, you are going to receive supernatural help from God. Why do you think Jesus told his disciples pray? He told the disciples pray because if they would have got in on the prayer, then the Lord would have sent three more angels to supply the same supernatural strength to his disciples that he was supplying to Jesus. And where were the disciples' angels? Nowhere to be found. Because when they should have been praying, they were sleeping. So this whole account that you see of Jesus being in the garden, everything would have changed if the disciples would have simply prayed. And it makes you think about it. How many different circumstances in my life would have prayed out, uh, played out if I would have just taken the time to pray? How many can say there's a time where you did something stupid, and then after you did it, you think to yourself, I can't believe I did that. 
what, what, what got into me? What, what, what got into me? Why did I do something like that? The reason why you need to pray is because whatever got into you needs to come out of you, and it's only going to come out of you when you go into prayer. Christian acting stupid tells me you didn't wrestle that thing to the ground. And it becomes and turns into a monster. And there's no supernatural help. So when I see Christians that are walking around and they're weak and they're defeated and they got their head stuck in the sand and they can't seem to get a victory, haven't had a victory in years, it's because they don't take the time to receive God's supernatural help with his, his angelic hopes. And watch this. If you go and try and do it with your own hands, you're going to be defeated. Can I get an amen somebody? Amen. And so it says here in Luke 26, 52 to 54. I'll be done here in five minutes. It says, after Peter cut off that person's ear, Jesus says, put away your sword. Those who use the sword will die by the sword. <clears throat> Don't you realize that I could ask my father for thousands of angels? He says, but if I would, how would the scriptures be fulfilled that describe what must happen now, so the question is, why did Peter act the way he did, and why did Jesus act the way he did? And the reason is, because when you are in prayer, and you are grappling in the place of agony and struggling with it, something supernatural happens. When God gives you the supernatural power, that supernatural power is designed to give you the strength to settle the matter once and for all. It was settled when Jesus went into the place of prayer. He sweat drops of blood. He went back one time. He went back two times. He went back three times. Because the first time, it wasn't quite settled. The second time, it wasn't quite settled. But the third time, the angel showed up. And when that angel appeared, he gave Jesus the strength to accept this is the will of God for my life and I will do it. Amen. And when the angel comes or when God's supernatural strength comes, the will of God sinks in and you become settled in that place. This is what I'm going to do. A temptation comes into your life. A thought comes into your life. You're going back and forth with it. You haven't sinned yet. You're not bad with it yet. You, 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 you're just fighting. You don't beat yourself up because you have a thought. You're, oh, should I do it? Should I not? Should I do it? Should I not? Should I do it? Should I not? You're just sitting there like this, you know? Should I do it? Should I not? Should I do it or not? No, no, no. You haven't done it. You haven't messed up yet. You're just playing with fire. One minute? No. Listen to your heel song, CD? I'm not going to do it. Take it out? I'm going to do it. Listen to Joyce Meyer, 10, 11 o'clock p.m., whatever you have your seat? Not going to do it. Stop listening to Joyce Meyer? I'm going to do it. Go to church, listen to Pastor Paul. I'm not going to do it. Come out, I'm not going to do it. Settle it in prayer. Go into the place of prayer. God, help me. Wife calls you for dinner. Come down, eat it. Go back up there. Settle it in prayer. And then one day, I'm telling you, friend, I'm telling you, there's going to be one day you're agonizing back and forth, back and forth, and then you realize, got no power over you no more. You don't even want to do it. Why? Because you have settled the matter. And the Spirit of God has given you the strength. You have taken that thing. You have put the chokehold on it. And put your arm around that thing. And strangled that thing down to the ground. Get up. Do people's elbow. It's over with. Amen, somebody. And with that, maybe I should end. But you get what I'm saying? Someone say, prayer, prayer. is the place. Is the place. Of agony. Of agony.
when I pray. I say, when I pray, I will struggle and receive God's power to put to death anything that's not in the will of God. Now that you've heard the light of today, connect with us. Go to our website, lightoftoday.org. Write us at P.O. Box 403, Wald Lake, Michigan, 48390. Or tweet Chris Palmer at twitter.com forward slash Chris Palmer. Our podcasts are free and updated regularly. So make sure to share them with a friend and tune in again to the light of today with Chris Palmer.